0: Get informed. individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
2: Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And today, we have a couple of guests, Jay and Diane Zarkowski, They're based in Boulder, and their company is Canna Advisors. Hey, Jay and Di, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Bethany. It's great to be here.
3: Great to be here, Bethany.
2: Great to have you both. So let's introduce yourselves to our audience. Uh, Tell us about yourself and what your background is before you got involved in the cannabis industry and movement. Uh, Diane, would you start off?
4: Sure. Uh, Well... Jay and I actually met, we were co-workers in high tech back in the 90s. Uh, We had a a great foray and working in the high tech industry for probably about a dozen years. uh, Before we uh, branched off, we got engaged and immediately started a business together. Him uh, being a licensed general contractor and myself being a real estate agent. And in 2003, we started a our business uh, building some nice luxury homes uh, up in Steamboat, Mm -hmm. and um, found ourselves with a few different offices when um, the real estate collapse began, and uh, we basically found an opportunity to uh, pivot and get into the brand new medical marijuana industry in Colorado.
2: Well, that must have been a pretty brave leap to go into.
3: 2009, yeah, we. Um, it was funny, Bethany. This is probably a good story for people to know because the barriers of, to entry were pretty low back in 2009. Mm-hmm. It was a one page form and a $25 check. Uh, we got our first sales and use tax permit for our dispensary, and there was another $25 check. We got our sales and use tax permit for our marijuana grow operation. That was, of course, Boulder Kind Care that we founded in 2009, you know, all before licensing, all before regulation. It was a uh, it was the wild west back then.
2: <laughs> so I hear, I was just a little activist in Maryland at the time doing medical marijuana activism in the state of Maryland and not making much progress at the time for sure. <laughs> Um, so so now your company, Canna Advisors, uh, when did you launch that company, and, and, and what does Canna Advisors do?
3: Canna Advisors was started in toward the end of 2012 quite by accident, and I could assure you we never had any intention of starting this company. But <laughs> after the election of 2012, uh, we tagged along uh, to Boston with the uh, good folks from Vicente Cedarberg. Uh, Christian was going out there to put on a little seminar because during that election, Massachusetts of course passed their medical marijuana law back in 2012. So while we were out there, uh, we met a group of guys from Connecticut, Uh, Connecticut passed the medical marijuana bill legislatively in April of 2012. Well, these folks, they wanted to pursue one of only four cultivator processor licenses that Connecticut was going to issue. They asked Hmm. us if we could help them. We said, we, uh, we said we would. Uh, we worked out a structure. We were paid a fee every month. And should we be successful winning the license, we would get some equity in the company. After a year of hard work, uh, we won that license. At about the same time, of course, we were working in Massachusetts, where we won three of the original 20 licenses. And that's what kicked off the whole thing. And now all these years later, uh, here's Canada Advisors, You know, full-time team of 12 to 15 people depending on if we have an application deadline or not hmm. here in Boulder, Colorado you know at, at this point, I, uh, I couldn't even tell you how many competitive merit late, merit-based licenses that we've won. I'm not even sure what the total number of states is that we've won them uh, but really at this point the majority of our work, Bethany is pursuing merit-based applications in states with limited with limited licenses and hmm. of course we do a whole lot of biz, early stage business development work. Uh, with ancillary companies as well, and of course Diane and I are now uh, active investors in the industry, investing in both uh, ancillary and uh, touch the plant businesses.
2: That's great. So, are there particular values uh, that Canna Advisors holds on to, or or um, teaches to your employees? Values and and mission.
3: Well, you know, we were just talking about that yesterday. Um, one of the interesting, uh, I guess, one of the interesting side, uh, you know, side notes of, of, of starting a company without really intending to is, you know, we've never really sat down and come up with our vision, mission, values. Recently, we've, we've been discussing it. But we have such an incredible culture here that people are always complimenting us on. You know, that culture, again, it just happened, you know, based yeah. on you know who we are and, uh, in, 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 you know, who we are as people. But you know, we we do have one giant, strong, overshadowing piece of our of our culture here, and uh, that it's one word: it's loyalty. Everybody here, we're loyal to each other. We are loyal to our clients. We are loyal to our business partners. I mean, Bethany, think of you know how we uh, how we work with you guys, right? You know, we are loyal to NCIA. Absolutely. And again, it's ah uh, that loyalty is a two two way street. You know, we, we are loyal, and we. You know, uh, you know, without question, you know, we expect that loyalty to be returned. So I think we've created a culture, not just internally, but externally, with our, with our clients and business partners. Again, uh, a culture of loyalty, and it's, it's. I think it's taken all of us a long way.
4: And I, and I think the reason why that's so important to us is because we are so invested in making sure that this industry evolves, and and uh, you know, it has inclusion for everyone that we want to. Um, help bring into this industry. And, uh, you know, so loyalty is such a big part of that and and just making sure that we all have each other's backs and that we're all helping each other be successful.
2: I think those are great traits, and and I definitely see the both of you as as some of the shepherds of the growing cannabis industry so you're you are based in boulder um and you've talked about how you advise building cannabis and cannabis related businesses all over the country tell me
4: about some of those places where you get to work with your clients uh we've been able to work uh all over the place and and Unfortunately, there have been some, some clients that are so far reaching, um, far from where we are um, physically that we've actually never met them. Uh, we have one client uh, that we h- had hired us, I guess, early on uh, who lives in Guam. We've never um, wow. met him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've, we've certainly been able to work in a number of uh, states across the country, You know, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Illinois, Nevada. Uh, New York, Maryland. Uh, we just finished up Pennsylvania. Um, we had our first bilingual application. I guess it wasn't bilingual. We had to have it translated from Spanish, but that was a client that we had in Puerto Rico. Cool. Uh, Hawaii was another one. Uh, Jay is the one that gets to uh, actually visit the most places out of the group. I, st- I stay here and run the ship.
3: And I'll mention, Bethany, some of those places were spectacular, like Hawaii. hmm and- you know, there's places like, you know, flying into Boston uh, during a snowstorm. But, you know, Diana, again, we we're chatting about this earlier. Uh, you know, certainly we welcome the opportunity to travel to nice places to help build this industry. But <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's uh, Honolulu uh, or Detroit, uh, wherever we have to go to help build this next great American industry, uh, we're there.
2: Well, and that's the magic of technology and the internet these days to assist you. So that's probably a bit helpful when you're talking about some of those really far away clients like Puerto Rico and Guam. Um, and I've also flown into Boston during a snowstorm. There must be something to that. Um, so obviously, advocacy is so important in the cannabis industry, and there's still so much work to be done. Um So I I know you guys are really involved in helping pass legislation sometimes as well. And I believe in Florida, you were involved in passing the recent legislation that was voted on uh, this last election cycle. What are you seeing there as far as the culture around cannabis and establishing an industry for themselves there?
3: So, Bethany, we, we were involved, but I'll say, uh, you know, there were a lot of other really good people involved as well. But uh, we certainly did what we could,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, you know, spent an entire year working with the good folks at uh, Florida for care. We were, I guess we were, we were so involved that Diane and I actually uh, spent election night in Orlando um, where it was, you know, it, it was almost uh, anticlimactic because it passed by such a wide mar- uh, margin. Um, but, you know, we got the bill passed, Amendment 2. Now it's time to get good, solid, favorable regulation in place. And I will tell you, uh, unfortunately, uh, that has been an uphill battle, despite the fact that the people of Florida passed this amendment, I think, you know, 72%, 72% in favor, it was the largest margin ever of a state ballot initiative. The unfortunate thing is that the politicians in Florida, most of them, they are hell bent on screwing this thing up. And keeping it extremely, extremely limited. Um, the, the other unfortunate issue is that in 2014, when Florida passed the CBD oil only program, uh, over the course of the last couple of years, they exist, They issued what are now uh, six, soon to be seven licenses. Well, these seven licensees, they are spending millions of dollars on lobbyists. They're spending a lot of money on political donations and they are doing their best to keep the program to themselves, which, again, is unfortunate because, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen this, Bethany, as we have now many times over the years, for an industry to develop in a new state, you know, it, it doesn't happen with five groups. It takes hundreds. We need to build the ecosystem, right? And that ecosystem isn't being built in Florida. Um, it's not looking very promising at this point, at least in the short term for a robust industry to develop. And again, Florida, 20 million people. Uh, it's a bummer, but that's where we're at.
2: Yeah, well, we're we're gonna keep working and keep trying to do all that we can as each state comes online. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll get right back in. So uh, stay tuned, we're gonna hear some commercials and be right back with Jay and Diane Zarkowski.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, and we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. We've been chatting with Jay and Diane Zarkowski of the company Canna Advisors, based in Boulder here in Colorado. And we've talked a little bit about uh, the frustrations or the challenges in Florida before we went on the break. So how about Texas? Texas? Is there a lot of prohibitionist attitude down there? I would imagine so, but but I'm also seeing some activity coming out of Texas.
4: Texas, uh, surprisingly, I'm originally from Kansas, and i I thought uh, I thought Texas would be you know right there with Kansas as one of the last states to adopt any kind of um, medical marijuana program. Right, But they actually came out with one, and it's extremely restrictive. They only recognize one condition, and that's intractable epilepsy. And they only are going to issue three licenses for the entire state. <clears throat> and wow. uh, they actually just closed their application process. All the applications were due on March 31st. And uh, we found out that there were probably about 20 or so applicants for those three licenses. Um, you know, but again, <clears throat> it only recognizes one condition, and um, you know the burden for each of these licensees is they have to be the entire industry themselves. Uh, they have to test all of their own product. Uh, the product that they are allowed to sell is only a high CBD um, ratio product uh, in an oil form or in some type of a you know really truly medically based. Uh, type of delivery method like topicals or capsules and uh you know and they have uh restrictions on how much they can grow and 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 how much they can produce as well so it's going to be a difficult challenge for for those uh three businesses uh to properly um service the entire state but as we feel with all of these programs this is our starting point and from here we work on adding more conditions, on adding more licenses. And, you know, MPP has been really involved down there um, trying to expand the program already. So we're very hopeful that that will be um, a a much more thriving program uh, in the soon years to come.
2: Yeah. Wow. It's so wild that such a big state is is limiting it to only three. So when you said that they have to test their own product, is that Assume that they're pulling an analytical laboratory type of scenario into their business as sort of an all-inclusive grow it, produce it, test it all in one?
4: Yes, absolutely. They have to be able to not only test for the purity or potency of the products, uh, but they also have to be able to test for pesticides and solvents, uh, residual solvents as well. So full lab requirements for each of those licensees.
2: Wow, that's that's incredible and presents
4: a lot of challenges, I
2: can imagine. But as you said, it's a good start. Um, It's it's a slow chipping away at prohibition. Um, So when we look at other states like Maryland, Pennsylvania and Ohio, these are much more diverse and progressive areas of the country. So how are those endeavors looking by comparison? What's the climate and culture around cannabis policy now in those places as compared to what we were just talking about?
3: Sure. You know, all stepping stones. Maryland, as you know, had an application process a year and a half ago. Uh, Last year, they issued 15 cultivation licenses, 15 processor licenses. And then in December, uh, they issued, I think it was 100 or 101 uh, dispensary licenses, so those uh, those businesses are being built right now in Maryland. You know the culture there was fairly accepting, but you did have certain counties that, as, as we like to say, I mean, this is kinder than saying that they were ignorant. So we like to say they're still learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, Actually, I will tell you that Pennsylvania was a shocker because Pennsylvania is typically very conservative, especially the very you know middle part of the state. Right, and you know they uh, they had their applications due uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Pennsylvania initially 12 cultivator processor licenses, and they're going to issue 25 dispensary licenses. And each one of those dispensary licenses will be good for three locations. What surprised the heck out of me about Pennsylvania is, you know, all the time that we spent there supporting our clients, we we, we took part and held a lot of local meetings with a lot of local officials. And I could tell you that across the board, local officials – police chiefs, everybody, they got it in Pennsylvania. They understood the benefit of medical marijuana. A lot of these folks, although from a conservative uh, conservative climate, you know, they had friends, they had loved ones uh, that had benefited in the past from access to cannabis. So that was so very encouraging. And now you mentioned Ohio, we are off to Ohio. Ohio's gonna have an application process uh, this summer. And you know, there's some folks there still learning Ah, uh, there's some talk of moratoriums, but uh, the the uh, the culture there seems open to learning. Um, I'm making my first trip out there next week, so we'll see.
2: Got it. Well, it sounds like in Pennsylvania, there were there was an abundance of personal loved ones and individuals who have benefited from it. So there's nothing like a personal story about how it saved your life. Uh, to really move the hearts and minds of people who are in a position to make decisions. We've got a couple minutes before our next break here, but so we saw Arkansas pass cannabis initiatives this last election cycle. That's the South. Are you doing work there as well? What are you What are you seeing there as, as we're talking about what's going on in the cultures of each of these states?
3: We sure are. We are actively engaged with a couple of good groups there. And uh, that was one of the shockers, of course, from this last last election. Um, yeah. I don't know that everybody expected it to pass. We do know that, what was that, two or four years ago, uh, a medical bill almost passed. I think it got 48 or 49 percent in favor.
0: Mm. Um,
3: you know, it's, uh, it's not a bad program in Arkansas. It's going to be a reasonable number of licenses issued initially. Um, you know, a lot of folks... You know they're they're starting from scratch there. Um, you know, most of the folks don't have any any experience, including the uh, the government officials. But you know they're learning, uh, they're educating themselves, they're doing the best that they can. I could share one really cute, kind of funny story with you. Last week, one of our clients they're interviewing architects, so they wanted me to get on the phone with the architectural candidates and explain what we're going to be what we're going to be you know needing from them on a local level. And they were all very concerned. One of the architects, he was concerned of a structural license possibly becoming, you know, coming into jeopardy because he's working on a marijuana project. So, you know, there's still a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. But, you know, at the end of the conversation with this architect, well, sure enough, it comes out that he, he enjoys using a little cannabis every once in a while. And, <laughs> once, I, once I explain to him how far this industry has developed uh, in so many other places, Colorado included, where we have millions of square feet designed by architects, built by general contractors, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he has no fear now and he's ready to jump in and do his part to build this next great American industry in his home state.
2: That's really encouraging to hear. It's nice when you connect with people and it turns out they're, they're kind of on your side and 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 agree, but yeah, there's still so much fear from the stigma, from the from the false teachings of of decades past about cannabis and the prohibition surrounding it. It's nice to make those connections. So God, we, I yeah, was go just going to
4: say. Uh- It hasn't been something that people have socially talked about or had around them in a a social environment in our lifetime. So it's just, um, you know, it's understandable from uh, just not being around it to having maybe even bad media coverage, uh, a perception that has to be dispelled by just meeting regular people like you and me that dispel all that uh, stigma that's behind it.
2: Yeah, I totally get that. Wow! So we've talked about a lot of states that you guys are working in. Geez, are are you tired yet?
3: <laughs> We're only getting started, Bethany. This is <laughs> this is still the first, you know, first in, first inning, maybe the second inning of the first game of the series.
4: I think really when you see the progress, uh, that just fuels you and it keeps you going, and it it makes you more determined to just keep doing this until everybody has access and that there are no more barriers. Even in the states that do have established medical programs, there's still a lot of barriers and there are still a lot of things that can be improved upon so people don't have to go through so much to get access to medicine.
2: Well, I really appreciate the uh, encouraging attitude from, from the two of you knowing that you've slugged along all these years and through so many states and you're, you're still amped and ready to go and keep fighting along with us. So thank you both for that. Let's uh, let's take a quick commercial break here, and uh, don't go away. We're talking with Jay and Diane Zarkowski of Canna Advisors here on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Stay tuned.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
5: The 2017 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo makes its way back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, April 21st through the 23rd at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Register right now at swccexpo.com slash Texas. Check out over 150 exhibitors showcasing their businesses and the new advances being made in medical and legal cannabis markets. Plus, hear from an all-star lineup of celebrities, former football players, medical professionals, and more join thousands of curious cannabis consumers just like you at the 2017 southwest cannabis conference and expo dallas fort worth last minute registration is open now at swccexpo.com slash texas
1: the next generation of vaporizers has arrived Fuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil concentrate or dry flower pens Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Voober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Voober way.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, rounding out our conversation with Jay and Diane Zarkowski of CANA Advisors. I've really enjoyed talking about all the different states and work that you've been doing across the country and even in places like Puerto Rico and Guam even. Um, so let's sh- let's shift our conversation just a little bit. Um, so NCIA's seventh annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days is coming up in May. On the 16th and 17th this is the seventh time that ncia has coordinated a group of cannabis industry leaders over the years to go spend time meeting with members of congress to talk about our pressing pressing issues and for our industry of course we have the banking crisis and Section 280E of the tax code needing massive reform, as well as the overall education of the need to perhaps deschedule and and allow cannabis businesses to thrive. So, Diane, you've been five, maybe six of those years with NCIA to D.C. to come lobby with us. Um Jay have have you come no you haven't shame on you you've been sending Diane to DC all these years <sighs> I'm hey,
3: just
4: Bethany. giving you a hard time
3: as you know I'm not very diplomatic
4: <laughs> I think it's probably a good thing especially when we were a much smaller group that that, that Jay didn't go along So <laughs> no, um Jay's going to come. Um, but you know, I honestly, I think one of the challenges of having uh, both of us in this industry is uh, we still have, uh, we're, you know, we're parents. Uh, and for both of us to be gone for a long period of time, uh, we have uh, one child still left at home, her birthday happens to be on May seventeenth, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, we also have to make sure that we don't scar our kids by uh, not being there for the important times. So Jay's going to stay behind uh, this time around. But I am bringing my son, Tyler, who uh, is 29 and has been in the industry for several years now. And so this will be his first lobby days.
2: Oh, that's so great. I'm so excited you'll be able to bring him along this year. And, of course, no shame, Jay. I I, I understand you two have a, a tag team up there in Boulder and as you said, your parents, but it's, it's great that you're able to make a little bit of sacrifice to come join us, to come speak up on behalf of the industry in DC in this very visible way that we coordinate. Um, So Diane, tell me about the first time you attended an end days. I'm sure as you said, it was a small crowd as compared to the 150 cannabis industry Professionals that attended last year in 2016. What was that first group like with Aaron and the the small group in DC?
4: Well, it it was a, it was a wonderful experience, and I'll never forget it. And uh, I had the opportunity to go with some of the uh, what I would consider the you know the industry pioneers, and I think Aaron had this vision that. What we really needed to do was change the the ideas that people had in Washington D.C. of what the cannabis industry looks like. So Erin assembled about a dozen women that are involved in the cannabis industry. It was Betty Aldworth. It was Jennifer Murray. It was Jill Lamaro. It was um, Joanna LaFarce From um, she was from uh, she was a pharmacist that was out of California. Uh, Becky DeCooster, who started uh, um, some of the first licenses in Maine. Mm-hmm. And we went and had meetings with people and told them our personal stories about all of those things that still affect the cannabis industry today. Jill told the story about um, having a bank deposit stolen out of her car one night. Uh, mm-hmm. Luckily, she had stopped to get her family dinner somewhere and didn't go directly home with that bag of cash. Um, And I think just by the fact that we were, you know, such a different um, look and had these personal stories to what I think what the legislators had in their heads of what the cannabis industry looked like, I think we did a good job of of opening some minds that time.
2: Yeah, I I see the photos of of that group and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, I wish I I was there with you guys. You know, we have run out of time. Crazily enough, I've been having so much fun talking to you both, so I'll have to bring you guys back on later this year to talk some more about your experiences. Um, so, thank you both again for being on the show today.
3: Thank you thanks for having
2: Beth, and we look forward to the next time. Sounds great. So, thanks everyone for tuning in. For more information about Lobby Days or any of NCIA's events or activities please log on to www.thecannabisindustry.org. And this has been Bethany Moore of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Have a good one.